Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, back for day number two of the Hancock County Fair, and not only are 4-H members busy caring for and showing their animals and other projects, they are the ones who make the Junior Fair happen. Also this morning in our Community and Business Spotlight, talking fun beyond the fair this Labor Day weekend, you can get an up-close look at one of history's most iconic aircraft, the B-17 Flying Fortress at the Findlay Airport on Sunday. We have details. And in our ongoing Keeping the Faith series, just like summer turns to autumn, so too the seasons of our life will change. And if you listen, God is making known His plans for every one of those seasons. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, September 2nd, 2021. If you are looking for a reason to celebrate today, it is National Blueberry Popsicle Day. It is also... Didn't we just have... What was it? National Cherry Popsicle or Strawberry Popsicle Day? Are they going to go through, like, every flavor (laughs) on a special day? I don't know. But anyway, uh, National Blueberry Popsicle Day today. It is also Pierce Your Ears Day. It is Spalding Baseball Day. Not just any baseball, but Spalding Baseball Day. It is Calendar Adjustment Day. I would imagine, and I don't know the, the whole story behind this, but I'm, I'm guessing that it has to do with the, when we they switched from, what was it, the Julian to the Gregorian calendar, or vice versa, or whatever, this was the day that they skipped a bunch of days to uh, make the calendar work, but I don't remember. Anyway, calendar adjustment day, it is also World Coconut Day, and it is Victory Over Japan Day, the day that Japan signed the formal surrender ending World War II. So, reasons to celebrate today. So this is one of the stories people are going to be buzzing about today. And you can count on it when you log on to social media. People will be sounding off on this. A bill passed by the state of California yesterday would require large department stores to display some products for children in a gender-neutral way. Now, the, the government is requiring this. The state is requiring this. The measure would apply only to department stores with 500 or more employees. So, your big box stores, Walmart, Target, all of those. It would apply to toys and child care items, including hygiene and teething products but not to clothes. You could still have boys' clothes, girls' clothes, and all of that, but no boys' and girls' toys, no boys' and girls' child care items, and so on. It also would not ban having traditional boys' and girls' sections in the department stores. You can have a boys' section and a girls' section. It would require, though, a gender-neutral section for a reasonable selection of products. Now, I don't know if the measure actually defines what is a reasonable selection of products, but that's what it says. The bill now goes back to the state assembly for a procedural vote before then being sent to Governor Gavin Newsom. Democratic State Senator Scott Wiener said of the new law, quote, This is about making safe spaces for all children in today's society and not pushing, sometimes forcing children to conform, unquote. On the other hand, Republican State Senator Melissa Melendez is opposed to the measure, saying, quote, I don't think parents need the government to step in and tell them how they should shop for their children, unquote. So, you decide. You know that people will be weighing in on that. So, uh, just let you know right now that this is going to be one of the uh, big discussion items on social media today. If you're thinking about uh, traveling for the upcoming Labor Day weekend... You really should be vaccinated. No big surprise that there is that directive from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC. Dr. Rochelle Lewinsky says during a white briefing yesterday, she said that Americans should delay travel until becoming fully vaccinated. She also added people who are fully vaccinated and who are wearing masks can travel 
Although, given where we are with the disease transmission right now with the Delta variant, we would say, the CDC saying, we would say that people need to take those risks into consideration as they think about traveling. So I'm sure that's top of your mind, but you uh, really should take that into account when deciding how and where to travel this Labor Day weekend. Again, you knew it was coming, but there it is. You know, one of the things, we are out here, as we said, at the uh, fair, once again, broadcasting uh, the show and uh, coming to you live and in person from the Hancock County Fair. And it's always interesting when I'm out here at the fair, people will come up to you who have who I've never met before, and they'll come up and they say, you don't look anything like you sound. <laughs> you, you don't look the way I envisioned you by listening to you on the radio. And I always wonder whether I should be complimented or insulted by that if you think about it it could go either way but i thought this was kind of interesting a new uh, research study from the university of california on what makes a voice sound attractive apparently it depends on a few things many in the ears of a, of the listener so it's not so much a person's voice, it's how you hear a voice, or how you interpret, or how you react to a person's voice. These researchers found that the vowel space area, or articulation, was correlated highly with vocal attractiveness. Now this, they say, applies more so to females than males, but the whole thing I think is kind of interesting. Listeners showed no preference for clarity when rating the attractiveness of male voices. Study co-author Daniel Stair explains, From an attraction standpoint, males with traits that are slightly more masculine than average are typically preferred. <laughs> so I need to talk in a very manly man voice on the air, and people will think I'm attractive. Um, I say uh, people with slightly more masculine traits uh, in their speech patterns are preferred, which in this context would make males with less clear speech more attractive. Hmm. At the same time, constricted vowel space and lower perceived clarity is associated with a range of speech motor disorders, suggesting a lack of clarity may also have indicated the presence of disease to our ancestors. Well, that's interesting. So anyway, I just thought that was kind of interesting, the perception of individuals with respect to the voices that they hear and how attractive they believe someone to be, which may explain why everybody is always disappointed when they meet me. Anyway, so uh, we're at the fair in our brand new location in front of the uh, cattle barn here. The uh, Cattlemen's Association has put us up on this beautiful patio that they have constructed out front of the uh, uh, cattle building or the cattle barn uh, here at the uh, fairgrounds. It's just absolutely gorgeous. It's a lovely resting place uh, for folks who are at the fair throughout the uh, course of the day. And this is where we're broadcasting. And since we're right by all of the cows, I came across this story and I thought would be perfect to share. Hurricane Ida made life difficult for one cow in Louisiana. The St. Bernard Parish government says in a Facebook post that two parish employees teamed up with a private citizen to rescue a cow found stuck in a tree near a highway in Florissant, Louisiana. The area has been closed due to high flood waters from Hurricane Ida. The men had, had to use chainsaws to cut branches from the tree and get the cow down. I wonder how the cow felt about all of that. I don't know. But, uh... <laughs> don't worry, cows. We got you. We'll protect you. Don't want to scare the cows here at the fair. And how about this? Among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your day started. Have you ever had this happen to you? You're hankering for a McFlurry, and you're waiting patiently in the McDonald's drive through line only to find out that the machine is broken again. This is like an ongoing thing, and it's like a running joke. At many McDonald's uh, restaurants, the McFlurry machine is always broken. You can never get a McFlurry, but it remains on the menu. The 
experience is seemingly universal among all McDonald's fans, so much so now that now the Federal Trade Commission is getting involved. The Wall Street Journal uh, reports that the FTC is interested in why these machines are broken down so often to the point where there is an active website called McBroken that tracks which Mickey D's have operable machines and which don't. Apparently the machines are too darn complicated. The Wall Street Journal reporting that the machines, if they don't go undergo nightly heat cleaning, a cycle that lasts for four hours, the machine literally becomes useless and will not work until a repairman comes in. The cleaning cycle is needed in order to kill bacteria, so it's very important, but it also comes at the expense of turning the machine into a hunk of junk if it is done wrong. So the FTC is demanding that McDonald's look into their McFlurry machines and report back about their suppliers and equipment used to make them. The goal is to find out what exactly the problem is causing these frequent breakdowns and the FTC wants Mickey D's to fix it. Fix it, by golly, once and for all, fix it. Doggone it. <laughs> so stay tuned. But you'll be glad to know that the government is on the case of the broken McFlurry machines. <laughs> so thank goodness we've got all of the important stuff covered. There you go, some of the most uh, interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Thursday morning started. WFIN News, I'm John Marshall. The WTOL 11 first alert weather, mostly sunny, breezy, and a high near 80. One woman was taken to a hospital and another arrested after a stabbing at the city mission of Findlay. The Findlay Police Department says officers responded to the shelter at 510 West Main Cross Street a little before 4 p.m. on Tuesday for a fight in progress. Officers were advised before arriving that a knife was involved and one person had been stabbed. Officers arrived to find the suspect in the stabbing outside and she was detained. The suspect was identified by police as 21-year-old Mary Jo Gavigan of the Perrysburg area who had been staying at the mission. The victim of 51-year-old from the Toledo area, who was also staying at the mission, was located inside a facility suffering from several stab wounds. She was treated at the scene and then taken to Blanchard Valley Hospital. Police said her condition was not known, but her injuries did not appear to be life-threatening. The assault was broken up by city mission staff and by bystanders. Gavigan was arrested and booked into the Hancock County Justice Center on a charge of felonious assault. The Finley Rotary Club has announced the finalists for its annual Golden Apple Awards, celebrating excellent teachers in Findlay and Hancock County. Those selected at the high school level are Chelsea Burden at Van Buren High School, Mark Laux and Daniel Wilson from Findlay High School. Middle school finalists are Miranda Kennedy at Van Lu, Christina Rodman at Van Buren Schools, and Liberty Benton's Raymond Wolf. Elementary school teachers chosen as finalists are Brooke Imke at Jefferson Primary, Becky Solomon at Washington Preschool, and Mackenzie Wenner of Wilson Vance Intermediate School, all in Findlay. The winners of the award at each level will be announced at the Golden Apple Awards Dinner on October 20th. The Finley Police Department is asking the public for help in identifying three pickpocketing suspects who may be part of a gang. Police say three people in the surveillance pictures pickpocketed debit and credit cards from an elderly woman on Tuesday. Police also say the three used the stolen cards at a Finley Walmart and at the Sam's Club in Holland, Ohio, where they purchased gift cards. Anyone with information about those individuals is urged to contact Crime Stoppers at 419-425-TIPS. In for Matt Demchek, I'm John Marshall. WFIN News. You're listening to Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN and 955 FM. So our question of the day. Oops, there we go. You have the right microphone there. Uh, so our question of the day on uh, Facebook, you can uh, log on to our Facebook page. Uh, what is your favorite part of the fair? What is your favorite thing to uh, see or do? One of my favorite things every year is uh, meeting the fair royalty. And uh, this year's king and queen and princess have joined us here at our uh, location. By the way, if you want to stop by and see us, we'd love to see you this morning. We are uh, in front of the uh, cattle barn, the beautiful new 
uh, patio that the Cattlemen's Association has uh, constructed here, and uh, they uh, wanted us to thank Northwestern Masonry for all of the materials, SNS Landscaping for helping uh, make it all happen, put it all together. It is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, Got to check this out. We are joined by, uh, first of all, the uh, Hancock County Fair Princess, uh, Marissa Leader, and uh, Marissa, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where do you go to school? What grade are you in? All of that fun stuff. So good morning, everybody. My name is Marissa Leader. I am the princess this year. Um, I go to Macomb High School, and I am a senior. I am a part of the Northwest Stars 4-H Club, and I show market lambs, and today is actually show, show day, so it's really exciting. I was going to say, uh, I appreciate you coming back because I know that this is your day. It's going to be a very big day uh, for you. Now, what time is the show? Uh, breeding starts at 11, and then there's showmanship and market. Okay, so at 11, you said, is when everything will start. But when do you start in the morning preparing for the show? Um, well, normally we try to get our sheep ready the night before as to washing, and then we put blankets on them, but sometimes they still get, like, um, like dirty. So we'll always get up. I find that hard to believe at the fair, that they might get dirty, that they might get dusty and all of that. It's really stressful sometimes when you walk out and there's, like... Sure. Uh, like poop or something all over them, or like red marks from the gates, and you got to wash them again before show. But we'll usually get up around 7 or 8. Wow, so that's several hours in preparing for the show. So when folks go and they watch the show and they see you showing, it, you know, this started several hours, well, really months before. Right, yeah, it's, it's a lot of work getting them ready for the show. So how many years have you been showing at the fair? So I've been showing at the fair for eight years. And you mentioned you were a senior, so you're starting to think about, you know, what you're going to do moving forward after high school. What are your plans? So I'm planning to attend Kent State University for and majoring in um, American Sign Language. Oh, wow. That is very cool. So, uh, Marissa, thank you very much, and uh, congratulations. Uh, also with us this morning is uh, Queen Chloe Heidelbaugh. Chloe, tell us a little bit about yourself. Good morning, everyone. My name is Chloe Heideball. Um, I go to Liberty Benton High School. I'm going to be senior there this year. I'm in the Pride of Pleasant 4-H Club, the Liberty Benton FFA, Hancock County Junior Fair Board, the whole shebang. Um, at the fair, I show fancy poultry and market lambs, and then I show horses on a winter circuit. Wow, so you've got a lot going on just about every day. Yep, yeah, keeps me busy, so... That's good, I guess. It definitely, it definitely keeps you busy. Well, that's like my mom and dad always used to tell me that'll keep you out of trouble. So <laughs> yeah. It's anyway. Um, so how long have you been uh, showing all of these things? I've been showing sheep since I was five. So wow. do the math. That's probably about twelve years. <laughs> and then poultry. I've been doing I think six or seven years. Horses. I don't even know. I'm going to say about eight. <laughs> so what made you choose those things and, and so many things, such a variety? Mom, a family friend of ours got me into lambs. They had, they, they were our babysitters. They had lambs. So we always go out to the barn, pet them, feed them. So finally they were like, you can show lambs in the open when you're this little. And then we also did Guys and Gals Lead which is like it promotes the wool industry part of sheep so you wear a wool outfit and you're supposed to have a breeding sheep or you dress up your sheep in wool and ever since then it's really stuck and i've really grown to like that species poultry my sister did it and i was like that's cool so i did it too <laughs> and horses um i used to do competitive cheer then i quit and my parents were looking for something to do they knew i liked animals so we chose horseback riding through IEA, which is the Interscholastic Equestrian Association, and it basically works like your football games. Everything's on a Saturday, practices correlate with school, you have to be in good standing in school, and ever since then it's really stuck and I've gotten a lot of opportunities to grow within all of those things. That is fabulous. Now you mentioned you are also a senior. Is there some sort of animal career in your future? Yes, I plan on going to OSU ATI to major in animal science and then after my time at ATI I do plan on transferring to Maine. That is awesome. So best of luck and with all of your shows and with those career plans. Zach Romero is the Hancock County Fair King. Introduce yourself, sir. Hello and good morning. My name is Zach Romero and I am from Macomb. I will be a senior this year. Um, this is my 
it our ninth year? Our ninth year in 4-H. And then I'm a member of the Clever Clovers 4-H Club, the Macomb FFA, and the Junior Fair Board. I show market goats at the fair. Okay. So my show is tomorrow. Alright. And I just want to tell everyone out there to come out and have a good time at the Hancock County Fair. Yeah. It's definitely a great year for that. You mentioned you were on the uh, fair board as well, so you keep busy, and everybody the fair board keeps busy at the fair, not just with your own individual projects, but pretty much making sure that everything goes off uh, without a hitch here at the fair. Yeah, so basically our job as junior fair board, once fair hits, is to run around like chickens with our heads cut <laughs> off. And That could be a show in and of itself. Oh, it is. If you pay attention to us, it, it's a it's a good show. Yeah. But we basically run all the shows and help senior fair board wherever they need help, and then we just present ourselves wherever we're needed. And then if there's a situation where we need help from someone else, then we all kind of band together and take care of the situations. You know, I would imagine, and as you were talking about helping out with all of the shows and, and you know, the participants and, and so on, I would imagine that's uh, maybe part of the fun of being on the uh, Junior Fair Board is seeing those kids where you were seven or eight years ago who were just starting out and kind of giving them a helping hand, kind of guiding them along. Yeah, that's totally an enjoyable part of it, watching all the little kids just kind of look up and see you there. That's definitely something that I like to do. Uh, absolutely. I can imagine you get a lot out of that. And as we mentioned, you are a senior as well. So what are your future career plans or have you decided on that? Um, I'm undecided, but I have two options for myself. I either want to go and get HVAC certified or go to OSU ATI and dual major in agribusness and livestock selection. And so a good chance that there is uh, probably some animal uh, agriculture uh, aspect of your future. Yeah, there's a very high chance of that. <laughs> well, guys, thank you very much for uh, coming on by. We certainly appreciate it. Also, a big shout-out to our uh, Duke and Duchess uh, of the Fair, uh, Al Warren and Ashton Curtis, uh, as well. So congratulations all the way around. Guys, thanks very much. Congratulations, and enjoy your week at the fair. Best of luck at your shows. Day number two at the Hancock County Fair. And what a beautiful day it is. Another full day of activities, lots of shows, kids running around. And uh, joining us this morning is Hancock County OSU Extension 4-H educator Tori uh, Kirian. Uh, we mentioned a little bit uh, earlier, not only are the 4-H uh, members busy caring for and showing their animals and other projects, but they are the ones who literally make the Junior Fair happen. And uh, Tori, thanks very much for uh, dropping by and visiting with us this morning. Um, and, and that is a, a part of this that a lot of people maybe do not know, that the 4-H kids, the Junior Fair board, and you know the, the kids who are exhibiting and doing all of this stuff are really making it happen top to bottom. Yeah, so they put in a lot of time before the fair, during, and then after as well, just to make sure that all the shows are running running smoothly, that everything is well prepared, uh, making sure that they have all the awards, the announcing, all the fun things, just to make sure that everything goes as smoothly. It is at the fair for the kids, so it's great that they're able to have such a great influence on that program. And... And, of course, it is also part of the 4-H mission uh, in terms of instilling leadership uh, qualities and so on. This goes a long way, a big part of that. Right. One of the big things in 4-H is to learn by doing. And so they're really able to take the skills that they hear about, that they're learning about, and implement them and put them into play. I know for me personally, um, growing up in the program, I'm a doer. I, learn, I actually learn by doing. I'm a hands-on learner. So to see other kids doing that as well and see the long-term impacts that can come from it is awesome. Yeah. I, I was going to ask, I'm sure that you have over the years uh, taken projects and stuff uh, to the fair. Back in, back in your day, what did you show? Yeah, so I started out taking a lot of the still projects between the cooking, okay. sewing, rope, and then um, I, my brother always showed cattle, and so I was like, oh, I want to show cattle too, and so did my mom. Um, and so in time I started showing uh, some beef steers, beef feeders, ear dairy feeders. So 
still projects and cattle were my main focus. So you've got kind of a sentimental uh, uh, part for the cows behind us here at the cattle barn. Yeah, they're definitely my favorite. I shouldn't say favorites, but um, cattle's definitely have my heart. We've got them at home, and so seeing through, it's like I just want to walk one another time. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you also bring up a good point, and I want to make sure that we highlight this. We spend a lot of time talking about the animal projects, but the still projects are a big part of uh, 4-H as well, and you've got uh, just a huge display over the 4-H building. Yeah, so this year we do have the youth building, uh, youth pavilion that was dedicated on Tuesday night. And yes, thanks to all the donors. It's a beautiful building. Yesterday I heard so many compliments on the layout, the way things looked. Everyone has loved the booths. They love how the FFA and art and the industrial arts and technologies are all together in one space. So you can make a loop in the ventilation. It's wonderful. Everyone has loved it. They turned out really well. Lots of hard work put into those. Absolutely. So you definitely want to make sure that you uh, check that out. And what is the theme this year? I know every year there's a theme for the booze for the still projects. Yeah, so the theme this year is it's a paradise. So there's a lot of twists on paradise and beaches and the fair. Um, And then there's also a few other twists as well. So definitely check those out. Check out the hard work at the clubs, the kids, the advisors, and see what is all happening. Yeah, again, all of those uh, projects that the kids have worked so hard on, uh, and and this is their chance to show that off. And again, we talk about the leadership uh, aspect of 4-H and all of that, planning out the booth and coordinating and making all of that happen. Again, all of that is part of the learning experience. Definitely, definitely, and definitely skills they can take in the future because a lot of clubs have a booth committee, so breaking up into smaller groups, learning how to work with a committee and take that to the whole club and implement is another thing that they can carry on into life. So uh, you really, when you start to think about everything that the 4-H kids are involved in and and making the junior fair happen and pulling it all off. It it all happens uh, with the youth, and uh, that's what it's all about. How many, I I don't mean to put you on the spot, how many kids are involved, how many 4-H clubs? I mean, for those who aren't involved in this, talk about how extensive this program is in Hancock County. Yeah, so in Hancock County, between the Clover Buds, which are ages 5 to 8, Um, And our traditional 4-H members who are third grade through uh, 18 as of January 1st. And then volunteers, there's eight to nine hundred volunteers and exhibitor members that are involved in the program. Plus we do some in-school programming as well with the spin clubs that those numbers can go into our impact as well. The reason I ask, because I can imagine people... Coming through the fair, we'll see the animals or see the still projects, and there will be kids who will say, well, that looks really cool. I, I think I might be interested in that. How do folks get involved in uh, 4-H? Because as we've talked about, this is not just for, quote-unquote, farm kids. Yeah, so 4-H is for everybody. There's something for anyone, whether you want to take livestock or you want to learn about how to do your laundry or leadership or anything. My wife says I need that, so I need to sign sign up for that one, I guess. Hey, we can get you hooked up. Um, so if you do stop out at the fair um, in the youth building, there is a little notepad that we've got a list started of people who would be interested in the future as we get going. Um, and if not, go ahead and call the extension office. Um, we are located out on 140 or stop in. Um, and we can get you hooked up with a club, make some connections with advisors to fit that, make that right fit for you so that way you can get involved and have the best experience possible. Also, as people are going through, uh, particularly the still projects and, and seeing what kids are doing in 4-H, they may see something that say, hey, this relates to what I do in my career or a hobby that I have uh, and, and I have some expertise or some technical information or whatever it might happen to be that might be of use you can always use more volunteers to help out with the program Mm -hmm. yes of course Um, so the volunteers go through a application process um, interview have to get a background check but definitely if you see something that you'd be interested in helping with 
let us know. Ask questions. If you have questions on how things in the program work, let us know. We're always willing to talk and ask the exhibitors and volunteers as well because they are more than willing to share what they've done and what they've learned. Yeah, and I know uh, you have uh, people who help out w with certain project areas, not necessarily as leaders of clubs. Uh, so the commitment, you know, if you're thinking, well, I don't know that I could lead a club, that's you can actually help out with certain kids doing certain projects and so on. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. So we do have um, a master clothing educator who helps a lot with our sewing projects. Um, the committees for um, the livestock, there's some that are volunteers that serve on uh, a goat council or horse council. Um, or for judges where a lot of time when we're looking for um, people to review the projects with kids. Um, so if you have the expertise and are willing to help out, definitely reach out. Absolutely. So, again, this is how the 4-H project or the 4-H program happens with uh, volunteers and uh, those who are willing to step up. And uh, kudos to all of the kids for all of their hard work and the uh, adults who uh, help facilitate that. Again, uh, Hancock County OSU Extension 4-H educator Tori Kirian with us this morning. Tori, thanks very much for dropping by and seeing us. We appreciate it. Not a problem. Thank you, and thanks to all the hard work at the fair. Now, the Good Mornings Community and Business Spotlight. Matt McVicker is here from the uh, Findlay Airport, where they have a big event coming up this weekend. And, uh, Matt, thanks very much for uh, dropping by. Uh, B-17 coming in from Ypsilanti, Michigan, I'm told. Yep, that's right, uh, from the Yankee Air Museum, uh, which is on Willow Run Airport. Um, they reached out to me a few months ago and uh, asked if they could bring the aircraft in, and I said absolutely, and we decided <laughs> sure. to build an event around the arrival of that aircraft. That is really cool. There, I don't know how many of those are still flying. I, I, I mean, there can't be that many. Yeah, there's there's less than fifty. I'll say that, and yeah. probably less than ten that actually give rides. Yeah. So it is a unique opportunity. Absolutely, and that is one of the highlights. You'll actually be able to go up in one of these B seventeen classic uh, aircraft from the World War II era. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the the rides are four ninety five a person, and, and people might say, "Well, that's sticker shock," and it is. <laughs> However, uh, it, the aircraft is owned by a nonprofit. And that four ninety five price point is really the cost for them even just to maintain the aircraft. Wow! So that I can yeah I can I can see that it can't be uh, easy to maintain an aircraft of that vintage, um, and you know especially with so few of them around, uh, it is it like you said definitely a unique opportunity. It is, and there's also going to be uh, tours available um, on the aircraft while it's parked and not flying the rides and. Uh, those tours are $8 for adults uh, 15 and above and $3 for kids age 6 to 15. Okay, so uh, bring the kids out. I mean, this is uh, hands-on history uh, in the in the literal sense. And like you said, you kind of uh, built an entire event uh, out, of, uh, out of this. There's a lot going on, and it's all happening on Sunday. Give us kind of the rundown here. Absolutely. Uh, there will also be biplane rides available um, in a 1920s uh, standard biplane uh, vintage excuse me, good folk and old times biplane rides. Uh, they will be selling rides on their aircraft. Um, that can fit uh, one to four people actually in the front seat. It's a really, <laughs> really? unique airplane. It's very neat. I've flown on it myself. And uh, you can go to gobiplanerides.com to look at the pricing for that. Uh, you can pull up to their booth and just uh, buy a ride from there. Have some food vendors out as well. Kona Ice and AJ Smoking Barbecue will be there uh, during the event 10 a.m. to 4 uh, however, we will be having a pancake breakfast at the event from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. put on by the EAA Chapter 636. And for folks that want to come to that, they can uh, park in our designated parking area just off Lima Avenue across from the airport. Uh, would prefer that they park there rather than trying to come on airport to park ahead of the event start sure. time at 10. Sure. So, again, everything starts when? Uh, 10 a.m. Okay. on uh, Sunday, September 5th. And again, that uh, pancake breakfast precedes that uh, 10 a.m. start time at 8 a.m. and again till 11 a.m. Um, but uh, if the rides run over 4 p.m., uh, we're going to continue to let them sell for a while. Okay, so um, circle that on your calendar for uh, this coming Sunday. It is going to be a terrific event. And just to reiterate, uh, parking for the event, where is the best place to do that? Absolutely. So the, be the best landmark to look for is the uh, the two white towers right next to the highway, Michigan okay. Sugar. Uh, we're actually uh, are allowed to park folks in the grassy area adjacent to those towers. 
which is accessible from Lima Avenue. So okay. if you're coming um, out of the roundabout, going westbound, it's your first right. Okay. And then likewise, it's your last left uh, before entering the roundabout, going eastbound. Going the other direction. And uh, this all happening at the uh, Findlay Airport on Sunday. Again, really some living history, not just the B-17, but the biplanes, too. And like you said, you actually sit in the front seat on the uh, biplanes because the uh, controls are back behind. That's right. And it's open cockpit, and they actually give you the goggles (laughs) and the uh, leather helmet to wear. They're kind of like Snoopy. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be terrific stuff. So, again, all happening this Sunday. And, again, uh, Matt McVicker, the uh, Findlay Airport. Thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank you. The Community and Business Spotlight is a promotional advertisement paid for by the featured sponsor. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Some people really need help in managing their anger. People have anger issues. And it's probably a good thing because without that, we probably would have much less interesting stuff in the broken news. But, case in point, Whiteville, Virginia. On Tuesday, police were called to a local convenience store and were told a customer had left the store angry after having his credit card declined. Only to, and that can be frustrating. If you've ever had that happen where your credit card has been turned down for whatever reason, it can be very embarrassing, frustrating, the whole thing. So after he had his credit card declined, the customer angrily left the store and returned with a gas can, which he poured on the floor and set on fire. <laughs> wow! That's... So he then drove off as the store manager put out the fire. Nobody was hurt. The suspect was located a short time later. After a brief standoff, police used a taser on the man and he was arrested. He now faces multiple charges, including felony arson and felony burglary. So... <laughs> Maybe a little anger management classes there. That's. Have you ever left something somewhere and uh, you can't remember where? Pennsylvania police this week are investigating the discovery of a taxidermied rhinoceros head. <laughs> a, man, a man out walking his dog this past weekend found the 100-pound rhinoceros head sitting on a sidewalk in Allegheny County. Police say that no one has reported such an item missing. No one has come forward to claim it. They are reviewing security camera footage to try and determine who left the item behind. Now, where did I put my rhinoceros head? (laughs) I had it just yesterday. Where in the world did I put it? Where? (laughs) I guess the guy who found it, if nobody claims it, he gets to keep it. His wife, I'm sure, is thrilled. Speaking of leaving things in odd places, there is leaving your stuff somewhere random, and then there's this. I mean, you see this. You know, people littering, they'll drop their things, you know, places, stuff that they don't want anymore, they'll just drop it anywhere. And it's, you know, don't do that. That's that's a terrible thing. Uh, The Kaufman County Sheriff's Office in Texas is asking for the public's help after a mobile home was found abandoned on on a trailer in the roadway on Highway 2578 in Kaufman County on Tuesday. A mobile home on its trailer abandoned on the highway. <laughs> well, you were done with it, just leave it someplace. Just dropping your trash anywhere. Police wrote about it on a Facebook post saying that they need help in locating the owner and or transport company of the trailer in question. (laughs) You've seen those cars by the side of the road that are abandoned because they break down or whatever. But that may be be a first, a whole mobile home abandoned on the highway. That's crazy. Uh, Let's see. Sometimes police chase things. Things other than the bad guys. The Shepherd Police Department in Michigan posted on Facebook how about they got into an unusual chase when a call initially thought to be a joke 
led to finding a loose emu wandering around town. They say the call came in from Isabella County Central Dispatch about an escaped feathered animal on the loose in the village. Uh, again, they thought it was a joke first, but officers who responded were surprised to indeed find a, an escaped feathered animal, a wandering emu, at large. Uh, the uh, emu they discovered was named Helimu, had escaped from a local farm the previous day. Ultimately, the bird's owner was able to capture it. And I was going to make some Liberty Mutual insurance joke or something, but I, never mind. Um, just a reminder that drugs are not a good thing. Pennsylvania State Police in Punxsutawney say a 28-year-old walked into their police station on August 28th saying he didn't trust the police in Lancaster County. He told them someone had replaced parts of his CD player so they could spy on him. Police noted it was immediately obvious the man was under the influence of something and hadn't slept for a while. Probably their first clue was the guy who was talking about still having a CD player. What is that? They also note that he drove across the state to get to their station. Lancaster County, nowhere close to Punxsutawney. Police found methamphetamine and paraphernalia related to marijuana use in the man's car. Uh, results of a blood test are pending. <laughs> and finally, in the broken news this morning, a West Virginia man is under arrest for allegedly trying to attack his family. Police say officers responded as Johnny York Jr. went after his family with an axe first and then went after him again with a bow and arrow. Fortunately, nobody was hurt. Officers managed to get him into custody before he seriously injured anyone. He was apparently yelling he needed to kill them to get the demons out. Uh, Mr. York's parents say they took out a protective order against him prior to the incident. He is being held on charges of malicious assault, brandis brandishing a weapon, and destruction of property. And I would imagine Thanksgiving dinner is going to be really an adventure in that family. I didn't say. There you go. That is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less of Hancock County Veteran Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. The Finley Trojans play here on WFIN. This is Tim Montgomery. Join me and Coach Cliff Hyde for all the action of Trojan football in 2021. We'll bring you every exciting play each Friday night, all season long, home and away. This is Coach Stephen Adams. Up next on Friday night, the Trojans host the Bowling Green Bobcats. Finley Trojan football is here on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Have you ever been a victim of porch pirates? Ever had something that you ordered disappear? Well, a new poll finds that three in ten Americans have indeed been the victim of a no-good porch pirate. And I suppose there is some positive there. I guess that means that 70% of people have never had that happen, but still... 30%, 3 in 10 Americans, that's far too many. And moreover, nearly half of all porch pirate victims never receive a refund for their stolen merchandise. This is a survey by the smart home company Vivint. They polled over 1,000 people about their experiences with package thievery. And it turns out that 29% have had a package stolen. Uh, mostly, it happens to those in urban areas and apartment buildings as opposed to single-family homes and this was kind of interesting too although more people are turning to online shopping during the pandemic researchers find that the number of porch pirates in porch pirate instances have remained the same throughout the year last year as they were the year before so of course Percentage-wise, they remain the same. It still means more porch pirates because more stuff is being ordered and shipped online. Overall, the study finds e-commerce worldwide has been increasing steadily for years. 
And projections show online sales will hit $6.4 billion by 2024. Unfortunately, researchers say as more people opt to have their purchases delivered, porch pirate incidents will likely go up over the next uh, few years. The average person, as of today, says has had three packages swiped from their residence before receiving it. Uh, that's, you know, all time. Three is the average number. Uh, just in the U.S., 1.7 million packages are stolen or lost in the mail every day. And the average cost of the merchandise in a given package going to someone's home, $106. And it's, uh, well, I had the number here. I don't have it in, in front of me now. It says exactly how much the value is total. Oh, here it is, $6.4 billion. I mentioned that, $6.4 billion. That's a lot of money being stolen. As for what they are stole, uh, what they are stealing, these crooks are often targeting groceries, Christmas presents, and prescription medications. But number one on the list, clothing, the top item porch pirates typically make off with. Although I wonder how often the porch pirates know what they're stealing, because so often they just come in plain boxes. But it turns out that clothing is the top item that is uh, typically made off with. Stolen clothing bought online accounts for a third of all missing property that doesn't reach shoppers. Uh, one in five consumers report that their stolen items also included books, toys, games, health, and personal care products. And when it comes to when you should be on the alert for porch pirates, this is important. The poll finds that Mondays and Tuesdays in the afternoon is prime time for stolen deliveries. Now, while researchers did not find a major difference between each day of the week, the beginning of the week ranks as having more piracy incidents. So, Monday and Tuesday in the afternoon, the prime time for porch pirates. And speaking of prime, Amazon Prime deliveries are the most common shipments that go missing. The Hancock County Fair over the Labor Day weekend, of course, signals the transition time from summer into autumn. And just like the seasons of the year inevitably change, so too the seasons of our lives. You can use the transition time between those seasons of life to grow your faith and discover renewed courage and confidence to find the purpose that God desired for whatever season of life you are in. Correspondent John Clemens reports this morning, keeping the faith. Keon Henderson is now the senior pastor at the 10,000-member Lighthouse Church in Houston. It wasn't always that way. My focus was split between basketball and ministry, and my coach told me that I needed to make a decision, and so I quickly made that decision, and that decision was to play basketball. I chose sports over Jesus, to be quite honest, as a young man. Pastor Henderson has now authored the book, The Shift, by Worthy Publishing. It uses the example of how changes in our lives can come quickly. And at 4.30 in the afternoon, my coach had that meeting with me. I tore my ACL at about 8.30 that evening, and then the shift started because God shifted my knee in order to shift my mind. And I tell people, God will often shift you in areas that you care about so he can shape you in areas that he cares about. The shift is about the message Henderson received that day that didn't include his own plans for his life but about the purpose God was seeking. Basketball is my desire. Now, I am at that time a preacher, and I know for a fact that my calling is to full-time ministry, and I know that God wants me to pastor. I've been getting all of these offers to do so. Nothing in my life is gelling up with this calling that God has on my life because I want to be a basketball player. And so I told God, no. I shunned that calling, and I said, no, I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to continue to play these sports. And when I'm done with sport, then I will preach. Well, I got the message because I was done that day. The shift is not only about Henderson's life, because God's desire is far more important than her own. I've never met anybody who was extremely successful who wasn't at first extremely broken. Everybody starts out. Everybody has a story. Our biggest company starts in garages, and, and our biggest bands start in their basement. But we've got so many great people in the world who have had trials and tribulations. So I find the commonality that God always starts us off uh, in some way or another in a rocky place 
so that he can prove to us that he is the one who can make the rocky places smooth. God must have had plans for Keon Henderson even while he was growing up. I'm born in Gary, Indiana, and uh, I encourage all to Google Gary, Indiana. It's a tough place, impoverished, 40% unemployment. At the time, I'm living in Gary. The average age for a young African-American male on the street that I lived on, Ellsworth Street, was 25 years old. Murders everywhere. My mom works at Taco Bell. She makes $7 an hour trying to raise four kids. I mean, we had it tough. I can't say it any more than that. Keon was raised the son of a single mom who had four children in a two-bedroom apartment. She was a hard worker, and uh, she told me a few things. She says, number one, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. She says, people don't have to be nice, and when they are nice, they don't have to be nice to you. She taught me to expect nothing and appreciate everything. And so I don't despise those beginnings because even though we grew up in poverty, we had a wealth of love and a wealth of knowledge and a wealth of ministry. We were raised in church. So although we didn't have a lot of food on the table, we definitely had a lot of love in our home. Readers of The Shift may find out what they put before God's purpose for their lives. So what is our God? What is the thing that we look to before we look to Him? What is the thing that we go to before we go to Him? What is the thing that we lean on before we lean on Him? And that's the thing that God goes after because He wants us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then He'll allow all other things to be added unto us. So I believe that He just actually shifts us in the areas that we care about. And You'll get that message because you'll be able to hear God speak through the thing that you care about. The shift also calls on the reader to consider the importance of rest. You learn things in rest that you don't learn in having full throttle. And you know, I often say some people are just so busy that they can't stand still to see the salvation of the Lord. They can't stand still long enough to hear what God has to say. So rest doesn't mean that you're not doing anything. Sometimes rest means that you're sitting back so that you can hear what God says, so you can get your next directive, so that you can go out and use the energy that you gather while you are listening for God's next directive. Pastor Keon Henderson encourages readers of The Shift to consider the best way to respond to that directive. Life is 10% of what happens to you. The other 90% lays within the response you have to that event. Our decisions are paramount. And this is what Genesis 50 says after all of those great decisions. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. You've got to allow God to do his perfect work and not allow our fingerprints to be on his blueprints. Here's how to get in touch with Keon Henderson, author of the book, The Shift, courageously moving from season to season. Simply follow me on Instagram at Pastor Keon. Facebook page is Keon Henderson. Twitter is at Pastor Keon. This is John Clemens reporting. And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, goodmornings.net. We are always on 24-7 on the World Wide Web. Coming up tomorrow, one more day at the Hancock County Fair. We'll preview all of the weekend activities and, of course, Monday's big livestock sale. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.